If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello. Today, we have Dr. Chores interviewing John about using probability correctly in supporting Christianity. John is specifically looking at claims from Dr. Bart Ehrman and evangelical scholars who use probability to either prove or disprove Christianity. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. So what is the problem with the skeptics appealing to a probability? Well, here is the fundamental problem. It's a fundamental failure to understand what probability is. Probability applies to random events. Random events. It can be used to to describe populations, but probability cannot be applied to non-random, discrete events. Can you explain that? Certainly. Consider tossing a coin. There are two possible outcomes from that. It could come up with a head or it could come up with a tail. And crucially, each outcome is equally likely because there's no force guiding the coin towards one or the other, favoring one outcome over the other. And so we can calculate the probability of it coming up heads to be 50%, one out of two. Same thing with tails. Notice that these are actual numbers. Probability is actual mathematical numbers. What is the probability of flipping a coin twice and getting heads both times? 25%. Yes, one out of four. Because what you're doing is you're multiplying the probability of the two events. Because for each possible outcome of the first, there are two for the second. The two flips could come up heads-heads. Heads, tail, tail, head, tail, tail. So there are four outcomes and only one is favorable. That is one that you're looking for, the one whose probability you're calculating, which is head, head. So it's one out of four. Let's look at another example. Suppose you're rolling a die. There's a one in six chance for any one particular number to come up because there are six sides of dice, six numbers, and each one is equally probable because, again, there's no force driving towards one particular outcome. And now, if you're rolling two dice and you're looking for a particular outcome, for example, two sixes, what would be the probability of getting two sixes? That would be one in 36, about 2.8%. Yes, and again, you're multiplying the probabilities because for each of the six possible outcomes for the first die, there's six possible for the second die. So one six times one six, one in 36. But suppose I ask you the probability of tossing two dice and having the total on the two come out to seven. Well, I have to get pencil and paper and put down the probabilities. All right, why don't you do that? If you toss twice, that's 36 possible outcomes, 6 times 6. Six possible ways to get a total of 7, all equally likely. So the chance is 6 out of 36, which is 1 out of 6. But the chance that the total is 2 
is only one out of thirty-six, because only one way to get it: one and one. That's right. So there you go. You can calculate probabilities. If you're rolling two dice, you could get a seven by rolling a one and a six, two and five, three and four, four and three, five and two, six and one. Six different ways to get it. Thirty-six total possible outcomes. Six that are favorable. The chance is one in six. But to get safe. Four in total. There's only three ways to do that. One and three, two and two, three and one. So there, it's three out of thirty-six. One out of twelve. And to get two, there's only one way. Roll a one and a one. And so the chance is one in thirty-six. So this is how probability works. With random events, you can you can figure out what the chances are, and you can therefore calculate actual mathematical probability. Now, it's important to note that probability can only be calculated when all of the outcomes are random, where there's an equal chance of each possible outcome, because there's no guiding law or intelligence that chooses one of the outcomes over another. And this is why probability does not apply to non-random events. For example, what kind of non-random events? Suppose I asked you, what are the odds that the Arizona Coyotes will win the Stanley Cup this year? Well, we could do the sort of calculation we did with dice. We could say there are 32 possible winners, because there are 32 teams in the league. Arizona winning is one favorable outcome out of the 32, so we have a 3.125% chance. And if we said, what is the probability that Tampa Bay would win, we could do the same calculation and say that their chance is 1 out of 32, 3.125%. But Arizona right now has a record of 6 wins, 21 losses, and 3 overtime losses. They're at the bottom of the league. Tampa Bay is two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and one of the top teams in the league right now with a record of 21 wins, 7 losses, 5 overtime losses. So would anyone reasonably think it is as likely that Arizona will win the cup as the Tampa Bay will win it? Of course not. They're different teams with different players. Who wins the Stanley Cup is not a random event. However, here's the problem. Tampa Bay has better players, but can you quantify that numerically, the actual difference in quality between the players? Well, you can't do that. So how do you calculate probability? You can't do that. And furthermore, in real-life events, there are intangibles. Every year in the playoffs, there are upsets where an inferior team beats a superior team. This is how non-random events work, which is why you cannot calculate probabilities for them. Well, how come you hear about probabilities in numbers as to who is going to win with, you know, which election? Well, the question is, are those true probabilities or not? What those people do is sample populations. They do surveys. They ask how many people are voting for which party. And from that, they calculate people voting. So the outcome of election is based solely on people voting. It's not based on, on any kind of intangibles. It's, it's not up for grabs. So the person that gets more votes wins the election. But even there, these polls are looking at entire populations, not at one single discrete event. They can only tell you that based on surveying 1,024 people or however many they survey, 
this is what they predict. And even there, they will say that this is accurate to plus or minus 3% 19 times out of 20. So that's statistical analysis. But there, you're looking at a population, not a discrete event. And we will look at that soon. Do you have more examples of where probability cannot be applied? Sure. Here's a good example of why probability cannot be applied to historical events. It's actually super easy to illustrate, barely an inconvenience. Consider my name, John Torse. What are the chances of a person having that name? Well, the chance of a person having that name would be the chance of having the first name John, the probability of having the first name John, multiplied by the probability of having the second name Torse. Now, John is a common name. It's actually the most common name right now for, for males in the United States, with about 5.3 million people named John. Roughly extrapolating to the English-speaking countries in the world and then taking that as a total out of the world population, the chances of a person with the first name John is 0.094%. Now, that's low. But when you apply that across the world population of 7.9 billion people, there's still a lot of people named John. On the other hand, my last name, Tors, it's Hungarian, it's actually Tersh, and there are not a lot of Hungarians in the world, and even in Hungary, this last name is exceedingly rare. By rough calculation, the chance of having someone named John Tors is 1.2 in a trillion. Not a billion, 1.2 in a trillion. By Armin's approach, that is so unlikely, we should not believe it. And yet it is my name. And we could do that with any name, even Bart Armin. It won't be as unlikely as mine, but it will be exceedingly unlikely. So by Armin's approach, we shouldn't believe his name is Bart Armin. He shouldn't believe it, and yet he certainly does. These are our names. Do you have more examples? Sure, let's give one more. Let's calculate the odds of an American assassinating the president. Well, first we look at the total number of opportunities. There have been an estimated 550 million Americans living since the founding of the country. There have been 45 presidents. So the chances would be, well, you multiply that out of 550 million Americans. How many chances do you have to do it? How many presidents? 24.75 billion opportunities for an American to assassinate the president. How many times has it happened in history? Four times. So the probability then of an American, if we're looking at just probability, probability is one in 6.2 billion people. Again, that is an exceedingly low probability. So by Armin's approach, which he says is standard historical methodology, when we hear that John Wilkes Booth assassinated Lincoln, we should not believe it. Because it because it is more probable that he didn't. And we should not believe that Charles Guiteau assassinated President Garfield, because it is more probable that he didn't. The chances are just one in 6.2 billion that he did. We shouldn't believe that Leon Soglos assassinated President McKinley, because it's just a 1.62 billion chance that he did. Or that Lee Harvey Oswald assassinated President Kennedy. After all, these are all highly improbable events, so it is more probable that they didn't happen. And by Armin's approach, we shouldn't believe that they did. Well, that sounds extremely ridiculous. I suppose 
by this calculation, the chance of someone assassinating a president is even lower because I don't think babies can assassinate presidents. So you have to only take adult population, which is less than 24.75 billion. Well, we're, we're talking about 550 million Americans who've ever lived. So presumably most of them did reach adulthood. But yes, I suppose we could subtract from that the number who died before they reached an age where they could perform an assassination. Or, and really old people may not be able to. But that person might have done his younger days. He's still one of the 550 mm, okay. million. But you're right. It is ridiculous. These events, you try to do a probability for them and say they're highly unlikely, but they happen because they're not random. Each one of these happened because a man decided to take a gun and shoot the president and did so. And it shows very clearly that probability cannot be applied to events of history because these events are not random. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. <laughs>